But I couldn't keep those commandments and no one else except the Lord Jesus Christ. The law demands a sinless life, and the sinless life is the expression of a sinless nature. And I wasn't born with a sinless nature. I received an additional nature when I was born again. Then I received a sinless nature, but I didn't get rid of my old nature. I still have that, and the Lord Jesus Christ said, Did not my Father give you the law, and none of you kept the law? And Peter said, Why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the necks of these Gentile Christians, which no Jew was ever able to keep? And by the law let every mouth be stopped, and all the world become jelly before God. But God sent not his Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on the Son is not condemned. Let everybody say that. He that believeth on the Son is not condemned. Now, to be condemned means when you leave this life, you're going to perish. And you have that both in the uh, 15th and the 16th verses. Whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. Now we have the contrast there between perish and eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that word perish uh, must be, you must get the meaning of the word by the context. I read uh, this last week of the death of a man 86 years of age and we're told that he recovered 100 bodies of the 826 that went down uh, just about 25 feet from the dock in the Chicago River. I was living here at the time, some of you remember, 826 people. And there wasn't a one of them that was as much as 40 feet away from the landing. But they all went down. And it says in the paper that, and over the air, that 826 people perished. Now the word perish has a double meaning. You remember when the storm filled the boat and the apostles cried out to the Lord, Dost thou not care that we perish? They didn't have in mind that what the Bible says is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. They were talking about physical death. Now when we... Uh, we have the right to say in Hebrews 9:27, it's appointed unto men once to perish and after that to perish. Because the word perish has a double meaning. Second Peter 3:9 says, "The Lord is not willing that any should perish." Well, he was willing that Stephen should die, he was willing that James should die, he was willing that John the Baptist should die, he was willing that Paul should die, he was willing that Peter should die. And he wasn't talking about that when he said he's not willing that any should perish. He is not willing that any man should suffer the after-death penalty for sin. It's the same thing you have in the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel, 11th verse, uh, and thou the 21st. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Why will you die, O house of Israel? 
Well, remember, the house of Israel was going to die, and the body was going to the grave. But the word die and the word perish must always be studied in the light of the context. It's not all of death to die, nor all of life to live. Death has a double meaning. The Bible speaks of those who are twice dead, right here on earth, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Then it speaks of those that are going to perish after they leave this world as those who will suffer the second death. And if you pass out of death into life, over such second death will have no power. But otherwise, he said, it's appointed unto men once to die and after this, the judgment. Now, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not go to the undertaker? No. Should not go to the grave? No. If you do go to the grave, if you go to the undertaker, and you're absent from the body and at home of the Lord, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But that isn't what the word perish means here. This means whatever the penalty for sin is for those who refuse to accept the Lord Jesus Christ here as Savior. He said in John 5, 40, you will not come unto me that you might have life. And you never have life, though you may be physically alert and mentally alive and very brilliant. If you do not come to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you do not have life. You are dead in trespass and sin. And if you are not made alive here on this earth through faith in a crucified and resurrected Christ, you could never get into glory and enjoy eternal life. So you see the contrast here. Believers have everlasting life. Those who are unbelievers who do not receive Christ, they perish. They suffer the sorrows of the second death. Now it's very interesting to study the third chapter of John. To begin with, uh, I think we can just think of three dates. According to our dated Bibles, the book of Matthew was written in the year 38 A.D. The earliest date given for the Gospel of John is 88 A.D. Now that ought to make you stop and ask yourself the question. Why did God restrain John from writing until 50 years after Matthew wrote? Now Paul died in 68. If John was written in 88, it was written 20 years after Paul died. And Paul died 30 years after Matthew was written. As I told you, I spent, I think, uh, four and a half months when I was writing the Gospel of John. And I went over and over and over uh, reading the book of John, asking why certain things are in John. Outside of the trial and the death and resurrection of Christ, 93% of the content of John is not found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You know, there are 16 solid chapters of facts in the Gospel of John not found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And that's the reason Matthew, Mark, and Luke are found, called the synoptics. And John is a different message. It's different, so different from the others. Now, uh, when you study the third chapter of John, it's very interesting to note this. And this is what you have to find out. Some of the third chapter of John was spoken by Christ. Some of them was, uh, the words were spoken by John the Apostle, and some were spoken by John the Baptist. All the last part of it is spoken by John the Baptist. Look at that, will you? In the third chapter, if you have it. Now, we have our little family here. We want to 
study and get the meaning out of John 3, 16. You know, it says, Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God, and whosoever believeth has everlasting life. But while the Lord Jesus Christ was here, he told his twelve apostles not to go to Gentiles, and he said, I'm sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and whosoever did not mean a Gentile while the Lord was here. The first time you find whosoever, you'll find uh, in the tenth chapter of the book of Acts, when Peter was on the housetop and had the vision led down. And to him give the prophet a record that whosoever believeth in him should receive remission of sin. But uh, now notice what we have here. In the last part of the third chapter of John, and it says in the 22nd verse, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and tarried with him and baptized, and John the Baptist. John the Baptist was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was many waters there. And they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there was a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizer and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. That's one of the greatest statements in the Bible. Every good and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there is neither variableness nor shadow turning. And where it says, Except a man be born again, it is an orphan from above. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. Christ came down from above. The Holy Spirit came down from above. The Word of God came down from above. The law came down from above. The salvation is of the Lord. And a man can receive nothing except it be given him from above. Now notice what he says. He also bear me witness that I said I am not the Messiah, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Now we come down to the 36th verse. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now do you know that nine out of ten Christians think that these are the words from the lips of the Lord Jesus? He didn't say these things. And you have to find out in the third chapter of John. Some of the things are what John said 50 years after Christ died. Some of the things in John are what John the Baptist said, and some of the things are what Christ said while he was on earth. Christ never said John 3.16. That was John who said that 50 years after Christ died when he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You know, if you don't understand that, you'll have a contradiction. You couldn't have that statement and mean, have it mean uh, a universal gospel. Here's a wonderful thing in the study of John. The word world is 75 times, and the word believe 100 times in John. And though you have there, behold the Lamb of God which bears away the sin of the world. Listen, here's something very interesting. In Matthew and Mark, you have two Gentiles who came to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke, you have one Gentile who came to the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know... In the book of John, you do not have the record of one single Gentile who was saved by the Lord Jesus. Not one Gentile. 
You don't have the story of the Syrophoenician woman or the Jew or Gentile that built a synagogue for the Jew. Although it is a universal message, it's the word world, 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 all the way through. But that you have to understand. My, how we need to get beneath the surface and to understand what's in the book. I believe this, as I said this morning in announcing this subject. I believe that uh, perhaps I would say 80% of the people who have ever been preached into the church, the body of Christ, didn't know one single thing about the body, and the evangelists didn't know anything about the body. They preached Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And they preached, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And I'm sure you know that that doesn't mean physical death. That means after death, death. Something terrible. God calls it vengeance. He says, We know him that saith, Vengeance belongs unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God if you perish the second time. If you perish the first time as a saint, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In other words, precious in the sight of the Lord are those who perish just by a physical death. But not precious in the sight of the Lord is a man who leaves this world without the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God's been very good to us. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And he tells us this. You remember, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not rewarded us according to our, uh, our iniquity. He remembers us, praying that we're dust. And he said, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. But God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, when we have this statement here, John 3:16, we are over against Matthew 15:24, and here the Lord says, "I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel." And He said to His twelve apostles, "Go not into the way of the Gentiles, or in the way of the Samaritans, go only to the Jews." Well, how can you have a whosoever message? Christ didn't preach a whosoever message. When He said, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden," He was talking to Israel. And in every message that he has in the book, uh, in the, his uh, earthly ministry, he was speaking to the nation Israel. And when you study and rightly divide the word of truth, you must find out whether the Lord was speaking to saved Jews or unsaved Jews. Now that's very easy when you study the Bible. Over half of what the Lord said was to unsaved Jews. The rest of it was said to saved Jews. Very little uh, in the Gospel of John. Nine-tenths of the Gospel of John is spoken to those who were saved, not so in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And when you study the Bible, you have to find out whether the Lord is speaking to saved Jews or unsaved Jews. But in the Gospel of John, where we have the world 75, more than 70 times, you do not find the Lord Jesus Christ preaching the Gospel to a Gentile. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. You don't find that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You do find that he's the stone rejected by the builder in the last chapter of Matthew, that is the 21st chapter. You see, when you get the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus Christ is rejected before you begin. You go to the last book in the 21st chapter of Matthew, and it says the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. But in the book of John, the very first chapter, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And then John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God which bareth away the sin of the world. You won't find that in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. You find that only in John. 
Then Jesus Christ said, destroy this temple three days, I'll raise it up, the second chapter of John. You won't find that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And you won't find this third chapter here. Notice what it says in the third chapter. And he says in the 13th verse, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now here he is on earth. Here he is on earth. And then we see him as the Son of Man in heaven. So when you open the Gospel of John, you have to see the Lord Jesus Christ as rejected and as crucified and as raised from the dead. And that's the reason why you have the statement the law was given by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You know, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, in those uh, three chapters, uh, in those three books, the word grace is not found one single time. Not one time. But it's in the very first chapter of John. Why? He's despised and rejected of men. He's the Lamb of God. He's crucified. He's raised from the dead. And he's in the heavens, uh, delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. So he's the Lamb of God that bears away the sin of the world. And grace and truth has come by Jesus Christ. And there's a wonderful statement there. Of his fullness have all we received and grace upon grace. That's a beautiful thought. Of his fullness have all we received. What is his fullness? He was in the form of God, and he was with God, and he was God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. And in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. The wonderful message that we have there. Now all the first part of this chapter was spoken by Christ himself. Then the last part was spoken by John the Baptist, and in the between the words of Christ and John the Baptist, you have what John the Apostle said when he wrote. Don't ever get the two Johns confused. Uh, there's uh, several Johns, John Mark, John the Apostle, and John the Baptist, as you find. Now let's turn to that 11th chapter, 10th chapter of the book of Acts. In the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, we have this wonderful statement here. Uh, in the, if you'll notice what he says, in the 36th verse, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel. Now get that. Not unto the Gentiles, but unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He didn't send that to the Gentiles, according to Paul, uh, Peter, because here we have what Jesus of Nazareth did. That's before he died. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John the Baptist preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the demons of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Now what do you have here? You have the deity of Christ, the death of Christ, and the burial of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Now, he said, not to all the people, but unto witnesses, and every one of those witnesses was a Jew. No Gentile saw Christ after his resurrection, unless it, there may have been a proselyte there, but no Gentile. And every one who saw him, we're told in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, 500 Christians saw him, and only one unsaved man saw the Lord Jesus after he was raised from the dead, and that was the Apostle Paul, because he was one born out of due time. All right, now notice what he says. 
And he says in the 43rd verse, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. And then he preached to Cornelius, and Cornelius was saved. Now notice what happened in the 11th chapter. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and did eat with them. Now get it. Here, seven years after Christ died, and eleven of the apostles, ten of them, are condemning Peter because he preached to a Gentile. What did he preach to the Gentiles? Here's the first message you have for a Gentile, whosoever, whosoever. And uh, then it comes to the 10th chapter of Romans, and you remember there, it says there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is rich unto all and upon all that call upon his name, for whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's the reason we know that that thief on the cross was a Jew. Because he called on the name of the Lord. He said, Lord, remember me. And he said uh, to, to him, I say unto you today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And you remember what that man, that man would have never called him Lord if he hadn't been a Jew. And that, gen that man would have never said, we're receiving that which we deserve when we're nailed to this cross. But he said, this man has done nothing amiss. Now, I, uh, the reason I'm trying to get this to you is because uh, people say that uh, there's no difference today that John 3.16 was the message while the Lord was here. And that people have always been saved by grace. But when you and I see this, it wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ while he was on the earth that said John 3.16. If he had said that, then he would have contradicted himself. If whosoever... Any Gentiles could have been saved while the Lord was here. Then he made a mistake when he said, I am not sent but to unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And in Matthew 15, 23, remember this. A Gentile came to the twelve apostles and they, she wanted to be saved. She wanted the blessing. What did they say? They said, send her away. She troubleth us. Send her away. There wasn't any whosoever message there. And uh, I want to say this to you. If John was not written until... Uh, at least 30 year, uh, 20 years after Paul died, you must be thoroughly indoctrinated with every epistle that Paul wrote before you can understand the Gospel of John. If God restrained John from writing until 20 years after Paul died, then you must study the messages of Paul and interpret John in the light of Paul. 62% of the Gospel of John fits into Paul's message, and not 25% of it fits into Matthew, Mark, and Luke. More of it, twice as much fits into the uh, message of grace because you have the word believe 100 times in John. You remember Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. What do you have in uh, John 3, 18? He that believeth on the Son is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. John 6, 28, the Jews came and said, What can we do to do the works of God? He says, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom God has sent. That's exactly what you have in the fourth chapter of Romans. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Go home and mark those 100 times you have the word believe. And will you find the sin question? In the book of John is the Son question. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. And you'll find the sin question 
in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke is a, is a broken law, the transgression of the law. And take this statement. You have in the, in the statement in Matthew 11, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor heavily, and I'll give you rest. What do you have in John 6, 44? No man can come unto me except my Father in heaven draw How can you come unto him if you can't come unto him? That's the reason. Nine out of ten people that uh, said I've tried it before. People, uh, evangelists, tell a deathbed story, and they try to get see how many people they can get to acknowledge the Lord. They come and shake hands with the evangelist, and God has to draw them. They've never been born again. Then when you try to get them again, they say, I tried it. What did you try? Well, you tried the evangelist's hands. That won't save you. God never said if you take an evangelist's hand, you'd be saved. You cannot be saved except by Almighty God and divine power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, no man can come of me except my Father in heaven draw him. And he says, the sin now will be unbelief, and the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. But uh, as we close, uh, many of you have heard us tell that story over and over again. Mr. Ham used to tell in his meeting about the boy, he couldn't understand it all, but he got a hold of John 3, 16. He kept drilling it into him. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And after he read, uh, gave it to him, this is what he said. God said it. Christ did it. I believe it was. That said it. God said it. What did he say? He said that. I believe it. No, Christ did it. I believe it. That said it. And I do believe that the great majority of people to be in heaven will be there because they believe the message, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember what Campbell Morgan, well, there are not many of you here, he was here in, in, uh, in uh, 1926. Most of you don't remember. But he said, I thank God that the Bible doesn't say if you understand all that's in the Bible, or 50% that's in the Bible, or 20% that's in the Bible, you go to heaven. He said, you don't have to understand very much to get into heaven. But he says, you do have to understand a great deal if you want to enjoy your Christian life on the way to heaven. And we've said so many times, I remember hearing him that went on the lake, humanly speaking, he's man that's responsible by being in the ministry. I heard him that went on the lake one night when they're standing moonly preaching on when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. When he got through, Mel Trotter was there. He said, give an invitation. He said, Mel, I, if I fell flat tonight. I fell flat. He says, I faith. Mel got a hold of him and said, give an invitation. He gave an invitation, and it seems to me 75 or 100 people in that place accepted the Lord. And I've never seen the manifestation in the same way of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that night, there's one on the lake. And all those people were wonderfully saved. When he brought into that great story with his illustration he used here, that people are dying with an incurable disease and someone comes in with a supernatural remedy. And he says, he says, all you people that are dying with this disease, come up and get the remedy. And one man comes up and by faith takes the remedy and he's cured. The rest of me says, remain in their seat. And they die. They die because they have an incurable disease, sin. But he said in the final analysis, they die and they perish and go to eternal torment because they refuse the remedy. And the only remedy is the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. How the Lord did honor that night. And I want to tell you, after that meeting, there was a profound sound. People didn't want to leave the place at all. It was marvelous. Just with a simple message. And God wanted to be you. 
Let's uh, bow as we look to the Lord in prayer in closing.